You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. Our preaching text this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 to 16. But before we get there, you have got to know that I try to stay out of your life. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I do want to know how you're doing. I definitely want to know how all the members of the church can best serve you and you them. I also want to know how I, as your pastor, can best guard and shepherd you. Now, the truth is that this takes a relationship. It means that you're going to have to be honest with me and your brothers and sisters in Christ. It also means that I'm going to be honest with you, particularly on issues spoken about in the Bible. All of that to say that God himself, through the text of Scripture, is asking me to get into your life today. That's no small thing. In fact, God is also asking you to get involved in the lives of others. I do work hard to not be the pastor who is trying to tell you what to do, how to do it, and when. Over the next two weeks, though, these texts will be hard, because whenever we come to God's Word with the ears to hear, uh, given to us by God the Holy Spirit, who is working to comfort and convict us, we are going to hear things that are difficult. <laughs> and we're going to hear things that are obviously words of law, or do this kind of language. When we hear, we should be convicted. We should be challenged. And you should take these words into your thought life, your, your mental space, and your prayers this week, and consider them. Consider them how the life of our church should be shaped around these words, and how this truth changes the shape of your life as well. If we only hear the things that Paul has to tell us, and then shake our heads and sit on our hands until next week, then we're not treating the words of God very seriously. One more thing about these words of law and encouragements and how to show specifically Christian love. <laughs> the hard part about everything that Paul is going to tell us is that there are very little specifics. What I mean is, uh, Paul is going to tell the church to get something done. But as you read more closely, you'll find that he does not tell you how to get it done. He also does not tell you how to deal with all of it in your specific church and our specific church and the cultures that make it up. Is there a standard that we should use in order to do this? Well, I'm glad that you ask, even though you already know the standard. That is the rule uh, that we need to use to understand what Paul's saying. And it's something that we read together last week. Treat older men as fathers, women who are dignified with age, like mothers, and the younger of each of these as brothers and sisters. So that is the standard that we're working with, and the one that we need going into our next several weeks. 
Today, we will hear from Paul about widows and women. Next week, we will learn along with Timothy how pastor elders employed by the church are to be treated, and along with that, those who are in slavery or servitude. So here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 16. Honor widows who are truly widows, that is, in genuine need. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repay their parents, for this pleases God. The widow who is truly in need and left all alone has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command this also, so that they will be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow is to be enrolled on the list for support unless she is at least 60 years old, has been the wife of one husband, and is well known for good works. That is, if she has brought up children, uh, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when they are drawn away from Christ by their desire, they want to marry and will therefore receive condemnation because they have renounced their original pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle, going from house to house. Uh, they are not only idle, but they are also gossips and busybodies, saying things that they shouldn't say. Therefore, I want younger women to marry, have children, manage their households, and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. For some have already turned away to follow Satan. If any believing woman has widows in her family, let her help them. Let the church not be burdened so that it can help widows in genuine need. God, I pray that through these few verses you will guide us by your Holy Spirit and that we may clearly see what you desire of us and clearly see Jesus. Amen. Here's our big idea for this morning. In Jesus, you are free to care for those in need because your greatest need has been provided for. In Jesus, you are free to care for those in need because your greatest need has been taken care of. I am assuming that we all know who a widow is. She is a woman of any age whose husband has died. Easy enough, right? Well, here we have Paul complicating things just a little. And as he starts that, he, he uses this word truly. Those who are truly widows. Are there some people who are falsely widows? No, but there are some widows who are in greater need than others. And so this is the first standard that we are given. Someone who is in real need. How is this need going to be determined? Well, does she have a family? Then they have the responsibility given to them by God to care for her. 
I'm assuming that everyone listening this morning either had or has a mother. Now, if at any point the man that was your father or played the role of father for you died or abandoned the family, then your mother became a widow. This is not only Paul bringing order to the church, but to your life and to family life as well. If you still have parents living, Paul tells you to return some of the work that they put into you. Now, maybe for some of you and for me, there's an obvious problem here, uh, because I know so many people who had miserable parents, who treated them poorly, who held them down and back (laughs) and abused them. What kind of return do we make for those kinds of parents? Well, unfortunately, this forces those children to be responsible adults, the responsible adults that their parents never could be. And it means that for those children who have been forgiven by Jesus, you need to step up and forgive. And you will need to forgive until those parents understand it. Now, for reasons of safety, uh, that does not mean that you yourself have to be a carer for a parent who is in need. But you should help to provide for them despite their sin and their shame. This is a Jesus-like thing to do. For parents who were abusive, the wrong thing to do is to seek out means of caring for yourself, uh, providing for yourself simply because you're afraid that you can't be forgiven. You must also pursue reconciliation, which means coming to terms with who you have been and then who you are in Christ. So why should children build into their parents? Because it pleases God, Paul tells us. Quite literally, this is what God has designed family for. This is what you were made to do. And this is what is required of you. And this is not just to Christians. This is how God created all people. This is what God expects of all people. Now, you know, right now, especially around the world, that there are people who are elderly and living in uh, nursing homes, uh, other care facilities. And there are others who are staying in their homes and yet have to have professional carers watching after them. And it is this older group of people who have been hit the hardest by COVID. I've not seen the statistics for here in South Africa, uh, but in my country of origin, just under half of all COVID deaths have taken place in these care facilities. And in many of those places, you have widows or widowers whose family are not allowed to visit. Their last contact with other humans in this world will be with nurses, nursing assistants, and and other professional carers who are with them. Pray for those people doing this work all over the world right now. Even for our church, this includes Sandy Exner and our congregation who is fulfilling this vocation and responsibility that God has given to her. Uh, 
all of them, at the risk of their own health. And this is a heavy, but it is also a blessed burden to carry. If we, as humans, created in God's image, that is, we were created the way that God wanted us to be, (laughs) if we ignore this God-given role, we are in sin. Paul even goes so far as to say that if we are Christians, if we carry the name of Jesus and refuse our role of caring for parents, that we are in fact worse off than an unbeliever. He says that we have denied our faith. The faith has been denied to us. And there's a couple of ways that we can understand this. First, that we deny being a part of Christ with our actions. And then second, that it does not matter what we say about what we believe if our actions point away from the goodness of God in Christ. Both of these readings, both of these uh, ways of understanding this warning from Paul are good and fit into the text. So, after those who are widows in the church have been provided for by their families, who's left? Those whose families refuse to provide, um, those who are unable to provide, and those who have no family left to provide for them. So, Paul says that someone over the age of 60 who was faithful in marriage is known as someone who walked in those good works laid out in front of her. Those good works being uh, raising her children, showing hospitality, caring for those in the church, showing concern for those who suffer, uh, and any other vocation that God laid out for her. Now, this could sound like a tall order from Paul. And it is true that in our world today, it is difficult to live this kind of life. It would have been for the new believers in this church that Timothy was ministering to as well. Not everyone coming into the church would have lived a decent life. Not everyone who was already a part of the church would have been living a decent life. We work with what we have. We do not expect perfection, but we also should not allow people who made no provision for the future by ignoring all the duties given to them by God to have first grab at the church's budget or schedule. That might sound a bit harsh, and I suppose that it is. A church with a large budget, on the other hand, should expand the number of people whom they care for. As a child helps provide for their parents, and as women help one another, as we read in verse 16 of this passage, the picture of who the church must care for becomes much more clear. Younger widows should remarry and have a husband care for them, and they should continue in those vocations that have already been listed, like caring for children, having children, managing their household, uh, making no space for the work of Satan in their lives. Some of Paul's language about the lives of these younger widows may seem mysterious, (laughs) but think about it like this. Uh, Imagine a young woman whose husband husband has died or has abandoned her. She has children or is young enough to start having children, and, and she asks the church to support her. This sounds reasonable, but as time goes on, you notice that she is spending time with this man 
and then with that one. And all the time that the church is supporting her by helping her to watch her children, helping to care for her home while she works and tries to find a suitable husband. Uh, look, to men, she starts to seem like a good woman to be around, uh, maybe married to, because she has people that provide for her. Therefore, I do not have to. And she doesn't even take care of her own children. That means I don't have to help her take care of her children. This is the type of situation that Paul is hoping the church will avoid. Because this young woman, this young woman rather, will have her mind, and rightfully so in some ways, on anything but the church and the things of God. Which brings us back to our definition of widow. Interestingly enough, a certain age and a certain life circumstance a widow does not make. Paul says that there are certain virtues of womanhood and widowhood. A virtue is a good habit. So what are these virtues? Someone who is alone enough that she sets her hope on God. That's a good habit. And one of the ways that she does this is by being practiced and, and, and practicing prayer. Um, Someone who is day and night unentangled by the life of family and by the life of this world enough to lift up her brothers and sisters in prayer at any moment. Someone who makes it a habit of placing others in her mind before herself. Paul describes this type of woman with these with these. Uh, virtues of widowhood, if we wanted to say it like this, as a living widow. But one who does not practice these good habits and instead spends her life, her alone life, on herself, well, she might as well be a dead woman. There are more habits uh, that widows should be concerned about. Uh, Paul has listed those several times, those different vocations that women and widows have been called to. But this is just one group of people that the church has been called to care for. And it's a complex issue. And then as you add in more groups that have need that the church should be caring for, like orphans, like the poor in general, when you start adding in all these different groups, it becomes more and more complex because the church calendar and the budget then have to juggle many responsibilities. As a pastor, it seems far too big for me, which it is. And this is the responsibility of the whole local church altogether. But it still seems too big. It seems like there are not enough resources, there's not enough time or money to properly deal with any of these needs. We could not possibly have enough to give. But here's some good news. Jesus sacrificed everything for you. His own blood he spilled for you to cover over your sin. 
And every widow, every man whose wife has died, every person everywhere has one need that is greater than any other. And that is to be made right with God, to be forgiven. And there is no shortage, no no scarcity of resources when it comes to Jesus and his willingness and ability to forgive you. Jesus has taken care of your greatest need for you. And because your greatest need has been provided for, you are free to care for those in need that our world easily overlooks as it's working to save itself. In Christ, there is no scarcity. In Christ, there is no shortage. Okay? There's no shortage of grace and forgiveness. And because of this, we can boldly serve others. We can boldly love others. We can boldly provide for and care for others. This is something that we should be doing, church. This is something that as we continue to grow as a church, we want to put into practice and to do well. And in Jesus, you are free to do just that because your greatest need has been provided for. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.